0: Welcome to the Tech Today podcast, powered by CEO Radar. It's your host, John Maeta. Before we get into tonight's content, I'm happy to announce that the Tech Today podcast is now sponsored by SSNC Technologies, and I've mentioned them obviously on this podcast previously, and we've written about them at Tech Today. Market-leading company in the investment operations space. Probably beginning in the next episode, we'll do a, a formal ad roll at the beginning of the episode. We're just finalizing the language now. And I'll include links to SS&C in the show notes tonight for this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more about them. But my relationship with the company dates back to 2010. They were recommended to me by an investment client, Drew Beja at Lee Munder at the time. That would have been late oh nine, early twenty ten. And I met the company in twenty ten prior to or actually just, just after the IPO and they included my, my investment bank at the time on the following offering. Just a high-quality company in the fintech space, founded in 1986. Just kind of been running the same playbook over and over. And now they're, a, what, roughly a $15, $16 billion market cap company uh, with a lot of interesting things going on across the broadly defined asset management world. And I'll probably dedicate a little bit of time to them on the next episode because I want to spend a little bit of time on fintech in general and maybe touch on artificial intelligence and that's you know exactly where they play. So more to come on SSC and on fintech and AI. Tonight I just I wanted to jump around on the on the market a little bit. You know we we continue to see the the markets in the green territory with not a not a lot of volume. You know investors are bullish on the fact that the economy is reopening. I just don't think there's a lot of quality work being done. There's just sort of a a macro bet on a V recovery or something that looks like a V combined with a bet that the Fed will continue to provide support to the markets, to the credit markets. And of course, some of that bleeds over into the equity markets. I don't doubt for a minute that the Fed will continue to provide support for the foreseeable future with low interest rates and with uh, its money printing effort. I do think you're going to start to see certain companies roll over, and then the market roll over a bit. I don't think it's going to roll over sharply like like it did in March, but I think names will start to roll roll over and bleed down as we start to report June quarter results. You know, we've we've seen this with some of the off quarter guys. You had Zoom Video had a blowout quarter. Their product was obviously in high demand as a, as a direct result of COVID. They they benefited. There's a high correlation between their performance and the uh, the virus outbreak. But most every other company is, is, is not going to benefit. You know, one that reported tonight was Smart Technologies, ticker SMAR, which I view as discretionary software. Software that sort of integrates with a bunch of uh, disparate packages from diff- different disparate vendors and sort of rolls everything up. Project management tool was kind of how I broadly define Smartsheet Technologies. And because it's not you know, sort of mission-critical software, uh, purchases like that get pushed out in tough economic times. So I think we'll see that with a lot of other software companies. Where like in the case of SS&C, you, you need to use their software or competitive offering to strike an NAV at the end of every night. You know, the, the, the software and services delivered by ss c and its competitive peer group are essential for operating in a highly regulated market like the investment management industry. And there are other companies like them. But when you think about enterprise software, there is a whole lot that is not mission critical. And many of these companies have high valuations, and I fully expect those valuations to roll over. You talk about the economy opening up, and of course things are rebounding off of the April abyss. And I expect Q3 to be better than Q2, calendar Q3, and for Q4 to be a bit better than Q3, but for 2021 to be muted. And we're going to have a muted recovery in general, is just my belief. But because things are getting a bit better, does that mean that the airlines are going to survive? Yeah, I personally don't think that American makes it. I think American Airlines will file, file for bankruptcy. I think GE is in dire straits because of its exposure to the airline industry. Businesses that are highly leveraged to real estate, large real estate footprints. Think about movie theaters, gyms, as paycheck protection expires, These businesses are going to feel pain. Just because a company didn't file for bankruptcy or report weakness in the March quarter doesn't mean they're out of the woods. There's going to be a lag in many cases, particularly in commercial real estate. You're going to see a lot of bankruptcy filings in commercial real estate. Owners of retail space, owners of hospitality space, smaller hotels. The fact that the economy is rebounding, we're still in a far worse position than we were in 08-09 at its worst spot. So the economy is in a rough spot and do expect the Fed to continue to provide liquidity, which should, if not keep equity markets in the green, provide a, a floor. And that will really be tested, as I said a moment ago, in July when we start to report June quarter results and companies have a tough time. That that Smartsheet Technologies firm that I mentioned a few minutes ago, they were off more than 20% in the aftermarket. So that type of a uh, reaction is possible even in this market to a company who who lowers guidance, who has a soft bookings quarter. You will see more of that in software and in other industry verticals. That's why we always talk about quality management teams and quality companies on this podcast, because we believe they're a safe haven and will be more of a safe haven as, as the tide starts to roll out and weak companies are exposed on the Q2 reports. But back to the Fed. Scary what they're doing. Printing money, buying corporate issues. That's a first. And what's scary about that, uh, the Fed buying high-yield debt. What did they buy? One, one and a quarter billion? I don't think I posted that publicly at Tech Today. That was released Friday last week. The Fed's activity in terms of high-yield ETF purchases. That was made public last week. And that's a first. And now you have precedent. So now, were Trump to get reelected, maybe in the second term of his, you could see his administration, see the Fed take similar action. If somebody else were to get elected or if it fast forward, you know, a a decade down the road, regardless of who may be in office, you could potentially see any administration, any Fed chair now get active directly in the market because now there's precedent. Bad behavior begats bad behavior. And so now you've got near zero interest rates, which is going to further encourage the corporate debt bubble. So you've got corporate balance sheets in terms of debt at an all-time high. And you're going to see more of it. Because of the Fed's acti- activity as of late. Corporate debt bubble on steroids, which inhibits the Fed's ability to raise rates beyond a certain level. Maybe beyond 3 4%. Now you start to at those levels. If you're a company, you start to have trouble servicing debt. Maybe you have to hold, depending on the company, depending on your operating margins, maybe now you have to hold headcount flat. Maybe you have to let some people go. If rates get, you know, if they start pushing against 5%, 4 or 5% of the upper bound, So the Fed sort of backed itself into a corner. I hope they don't take rates negative. Enormous moral hazard, these policies as of late. You've got people staying home, collecting a check, not wanting to go back to work. You've got companies who think they can behave however it is they may want to behave, not save any cash for a rainy day, use all operating cash flow to buy back stock. And then something like COVID comes out of left field and they don't have any capital on the balance sheet. Oh well, no big deal. We can always go to the government, ask for a bailout. So enormous moral hazard risk, future risk. Moral hazard is is taking place. We're in it, but there is a risk for greater moral hazard going forward. You know, it's more likely that in the future you'll see more debt on corporate balance sheets, uh, more assets on the Fed's balance sheet. Future generations will take these things to new levels. Is, is what's likely. So it, it, it doesn't bode well, longer term, for the United States, GDP growth. I mean, we could be looking at a period of, of no growth, of multiple years, multiple decades of no growth pending our fiscal and monetary policies. If we're going to continue to print money and keep interest rates at zero and encourage companies to take on massive amounts of debt, that acts as a wet blanket on economic growth, on productivity, on GDP. GDP. So we could be looking at a Japan scenario in this country if the current policies persist. I would love to see a new Fed chair come in and make no bones about the fact that he or she is going to take rates up gradually, but will do so and gradually, consistently take interest rates up and discourage corporate borrowing. And it will for sure turn the equity markets sour. But it needs to be done. We need to to right this ship. Otherwise, we're going to have... A no growth economy with an inflated equity market and an increased bifurcation between the haves and the have nots in this country, where those who can afford to, to participate in the equity and credit markets will do well over the long term, and those who can't will miss out. And it, it's puzzling why we find ourselves in this situation because you think Powell knows better, Trump knows better, Mnuchin knows better, that they're putting the country in a difficult position in the long term. And they may not live to, to, to see it, to see the damage twenty years from now, thirty years from now. But their children will, their grandkids will. So this these short term, short sighted actions that have dire long term consequences. It's awful that somebody who knows better would pursue this path. So it's a bigger topic than you know the equity markets and when they may roll over. Right? It's about the long term growth prospects for this country. And for young people, we're making it increasingly difficult to grow. We're making it increasingly difficult for young people. We're setting a very poor example for young people as it relates to how to responsibly run a country, run an economy, and operate markets. That's all for now. See you next time.